Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Hey everybody, it's so good to be with you on this gorgeous sunny day. If you're watching it later, hope it's still gorgeous. My name is Pete Gregg and uh, with my wife Sammy I have the joy of being uh, senior pastors of Emmaus Road Church. This time last week, something strange was stirring in the air. You probably remember it. For the first time in a long time, English people were daring to dream once again. And I think it wasn't just about football coming home. I think it reached beyond the 31 million British people who are watching the event live on air. I think it was about identity. I think it was actually just about hope. After three lockdowns, the shock of Brexit, 11.6 million of us furloughed. After a devastating 128,530 deaths from COVID-19, we were and we are longing for change. We are yearning for a reason to celebrate. We're kind of scanning the horizon for the first light of dawn. And last Sunday night, I feel like the Lord spoke to me. I think he gave me a word which I uh, first of all shared at our prayer meeting last Monday morning and uh, then I partially aired online during the week. But I want to unpack it properly with you here now because I, I think this is a word for many of us individually as we resurface from lockdown. Actually, I think God wants to do something through this word in your life. And we're gonna make space at the end for ministry. In a way, this talk is reasonably short, but we're gonna make space for response at the end because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do transformative works in some of our lives. And I think this is also a, a word for us as a church as we begin to resurface and as we think this coming year about discipleship. Having sensed this kind of stirring from the Lord, I, I did something I've actually never done before. I went to our team here uh, at Emmaus and I said, I, I know we've got all kinds of stuff scheduled, but would it be okay for me to jump on the roster and speak this Sunday? I think I've got something from God for us as a church. And they were all absolutely amazing. Uh, they immediately said, yes, the people who are meant to be speaking, who are probably going to be much better than me, uh, have stood down. Uh, Josh and Emma Heather have, have changed the start time of the Woking congregation because everyone said, we just want to be that kind of church that's open to the interruptions of the Holy Spirit. So here it goes. As I say, it's not going to be a long message, but I do want to give plenty of time for response at the end. The thing I sensed really began with what I think might be a prophetic moment for our nation. Like as Christians, sometimes we, we, we live in this alternative reality, but when the entire nation is galvanized around an event, as happened this time last week, something is going on. And it, it's a picture I want to show you. 
So have a look at this. The first picture, no, next one please. That's it. The first picture, the one that you can see there on your left is manager Terry Venables back in uh, 1996, 26th of June, aged 53, comforting a young football player, Gareth Southgate, aged 26, who you, some of you will remember had just missed a penalty that had cost England the semi-finals of the Euro European Cup at Wembley. There was a global audience of 507 million people. Imagine what he was going through. Imagine the sense of shame in front of 507 million people. Few people know what it feels like to feel that you have let your nation down. That's what's going on in that moment. Then fast forward 25 years and 15 days. And there at the same, on the same site at Wembley, 11th of July, 2021, last Sunday, Gareth Southgate, no longer a young player, but now a manager aged 50, comforts Bukayo Saka, who's just 19 years old, who's just missed a penalty that has ultimately cost England the finals of the European Cup. Global audience estimated to be 845 million people. Southgate has himself been comforted and now he is giving comfort. 25 years and 15 days. Maybe that's how long it takes for a son to become a father. The journey from shame to being strong for others. 25 years and 15 days. I think this is a profound and deeply meaningful moment. Some of you will have seen those two images compared already, but let's just not just move on. I think the Spirit wants to say something to many of us about the journey from shame to strength, the journey from sonship to fatherhood. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says this, For though you might have 10,000 teachers, I think we've got it to come up on the screens here, For though you might have 10,000 teachers, you do not have many fathers. That is so true. Everyone's got wisdom. Everyone wants to say their piece in our culture. But we have few people who know how to father other people. If I came up to you after the service and I asked you or emailed you or whatever and said to you, hey, would you preach in a few weeks' time? My hunch is you'd take it fairly seriously. You'd prepare. You'd want to do well at it. But let me say this really quickly. This is teaching. We have 10,000 teachers but few fathers. The call to be a spiritual father or mother a literal spiritual father or mother, is a far higher call. It's a far more challenging uh, project than just preaching like this. We have 10,000 teachers, but an entire generation, and I want to suggest to you even an entire nation that is crying out for fathers. That's why that Southgate image is so powerful. You know, back in the 1990s, a man called John Wimber, a recognised apostolic prophetic figure, came to this country and at a major conference he released a prophetic word for the UK. 
in which he said that the calling on the UK is to be fathers and teachers in the nations. That we are called as a nation to father and to teach. And when someone reminded me on Monday of that word, something in my heart just broke. How far we have drifted from that prophetic invitation, that call to be good, spiritual and literal parents. You know, a few years ago, uh, the, the Centre for Social Justice, which at the time was being headed up by a member of this church, by a Christian guy, released a report that hit the headlines. Christian was all over the different chat shows and the, the media. And the report revealed that there are a million children growing up in the UK without any meaningful relationship with men. And this is having devastating consequences. There are countless mums doing a brilliant job. This is not in any way to detract from those heroic mums who are, do, who are raising kids as solo parents. But when I talk to those mums, they get this message more than anyone. When are men going to step up to the plates? Where are the men? How do my kids, especially my little boys, get male role models if dad's not at home? Or, or if there's no men in the classroom either? There is a crisis of masculinity, I want to suggest to you, in our nation. There are many other crises, but one of them, and this is the one I believe that strikes at the root of all of them, is this crisis around how to be a good dad, about how to be a man, what it means to be a man. And listen, I, I, that's why I am speaking today to the men. But hear me very clearly, and so I know some of you will be going, what about the women, and isn't the patriarchy the problem, and all that stuff. Listen, this affects every single one of us. Women, wives, girlfriends, children, mothers. If men screw up, everyone suffers. Many of you know that Sam and I live a good chunk of our lives on a barge, and one of the great joys of living on the river is so beautiful. And last Sunday morning, I went for a long walk by the river and I noticed that every single woman that I passed on the towpath, whether they were jogging, walking their dog, whatever, ignored my gaze and wouldn't smile at me. And I understand why. In the wake of Sarah Everard, in the wake of countless tragedies, in the light of the fact that almost every woman I've ever talked to in any depth about this have their own Me Too story. In the light of the way that men have treated women, we now living in a society where a woman out for a jog by a river or walking a dog is nervous of looking a strange man who's alone in the eye and simply extending the courtesy of saying hello. I get it, but it breaks my heart at times. And I want to say this really carefully, I'm not asking for any kind of sympathy on behalf of men because we have behaved badly and we have done terrible things. But at times the most embarrassing thing to be in contemporary Britain, it feels like, is, is being a man. 
I can't tell you how many times I personally have just felt ashamed to be a man in recent years. How often I have wanted to apologise. I wanted to say, we're not all like that. Men do terrible things. We're by far the greatest perpetrators of violence. But, and hear me on this, I'm not making excuses, men are also in terrible pain. I can prove it to you. We know this only too well. The greatest killer of men under the age of 45, by far, is suicide. And now, the most basic courtesy, like a man and a woman saying hello to one another as they pass, is somehow contentious or dangerous. Satan must be having a field day. I want to suggest to you something is going badly wrong and we need to get on our knees, we need to repent, we need to pray. The thing is this, when we are hurt, we hurt others. When we love well, we love others well. The cycles of rejection get broken when we are blessed instead of cursed. And that, I think, is what we saw in Southgate on Sunday night. He, he had been comforted by Venables. He had, as it were, been forgiven by Venables. He had been given strength and protection by Venables. And now, 25 years and 15 days later, he's giving strength. He's giving comfort to someone else who desperately, desperately in that moment needs it. That's a son becoming a father. That's the journey from shame to strength. After church last Sunday, Sammy and I spent the afternoon with some dear friends of ours, members of the church, Jake and Daisy Clark. And Jake's given me full permission to share the fact that one of the things we talked about was his dad. Many of you will know that Jake's dad, who was a brilliant, godly, lovely man, died very suddenly last year. Uh, and obviously it was just heartbreaking, devastating. But um, Jake loved his dad. I loved his dad. And it was brilliant just to be talking and remembering Dave Clark together. What a hero he was. And then Jake began to talk about his father-in-law, Daisy's dad. Most of you will know Simon and Claire Jones, right at the heart of this church. Simon Jones, Jake was just saying he's such a great father-in-law. He's such a good role model. He's humble and he's wise and he's gentle and he's strong. And, and Jake was just saying, I'm so grateful. I said, mate, in a world where many people don't even have one good father figure, you, got a, you had a great, great dad and you've got a great father-in-law. And he said, I guess I just got lucky. You can see in the way that Jake lives as a son and a husband and a brother and just as a man that he has been well fathered. I think it was about three weeks ago I preached on Ephesians 3 being rooted in love. And I used that great prayer from the Apostle Paul where he says, I kneel before the Father from which every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
ultimately we learn how to be good fathers, spiritual fathers, physical fathers, by relating rightly to the fatherhood of the one who gives his name to every family on earth. One of our great aims for Emmaus uh, this year, as you know, is discipleship. We want to create a culture where we're shaping each other's lives up, we're speaking into each, each other's lives, where we don't just sort of do this holy club thing, but we are being transformed and, 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 and uh, becoming more like Jesus together, a culture of discipleship. And I'm convinced that one of the keys for that is that we as men in this community would step up to the plate and catch a vision for our lives that uh, centers first and foremost on not what we achieve at work but upon the kind of people we want to be at home. I believe God is calling us as men to move from sonship to fatherhood, to repent of so many of the things that we've done wrong and been wrong and get our hearts right with a Father in heaven that we might be a good example to others. When the Secretary of State recently was caught snogging one of his employees in a government building, there was an outcry. He subsequently lost his job, as you know. But much of the outcry centered on how he was breaking his own social distancing rules. And I was a bit like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just kept thinking about Matt Hancock's daughter and his two sons. And the moment where he had to go home, not as some big government minister, but as a dad, and look them in the eye and explain the photographs. And something in my heart broke. Listen, I am sick and tired of the people who say it doesn't matter what you do in your private life as long as in your public life you make some great contribution. That is nonsense. If someone can't be true to the most important covenant commitments they've made, the promises they have made in private, don't just even begin to try to tell me that they're going to honour their promises and their commitments in public life. We are longing in this nation for men of integrity like Gareth Southgate. We are longing in this nation for people who we know we can trust because they are the same in public as they are in private. Dave Clark, Jake's dad, was famous in the ways that really matter. He was always more interested in individuals than in crowds. He didn't take himself too seriously. He was always goofing around. But he really took his faith very seriously. He used to get up early and walk the dogs and pray every morning. He was always sharing his faith with people. Uh, I remember I was with him one time and he said to me, go on, Pete, tell him about Jesus. He was always going around saying to people, isn't heaven going to be brilliant? He loved to talk about heaven. He was someone who didn't take himself too seriously but took Jesus very seriously. He was a brilliant businessman. He was a serial entrepreneur. He was not afraid of making a lot of money, but he was also unbelievably generous with his money. And his greatest legacy is undoubtedly his family, his kids, but also his spiritual kids, many sons and daughters. And let me say this very clearly. This message today is not just for those who are married. It is for all of us. Jesus never married and he was fully human.
The Apostle Paul, we don't really completely know whether he was married, but on three separate occasions he advocated singleness over marriage. You don't often hear that being honestly uh, talked about at church. Every single man can be a father in the household of God. Every single woman can be a spiritual mother. One of my spiritual fathers is a retired teacher called Mike Fox, who lives not far from here. Mike never married, but he poured himself out for boys like me. He opened his home, he encouraged us in our faith, he brought wisdom into our lives, he was steady. I'm not sure I'd be a Christian today if it wasn't for Mike Fox. Jake Clark made a video tribute to his dad that he released on Father's Day uh, three or four weeks ago. And uh, I encourage you, it's really moving. You go on Jake Clark's Insta account and watch the whole thing, but we're just gonna watch an extract of it now and then we're gonna respond. And I'll tell you why. Is in Dave Clark, I see an example of what I'm longing for us as men to step into, a vision of fatherhood as our highest call, spiritual fatherhood or physical fatherhood, a call to live with integrity and to live well and leave behind a legacy that really matters. So take a look at this. Meeting Dave became a pivotal point of my life. I remember I was almost at a point of giving up, but God, through Dave, changed my life. Hugely hospitable, wonderful family man. But more than that, not only did he love God, he, he loved his family. The fact that he was a man who uh, loved family. He loved his family and he always made you feel part of it. He was able to show us what it was like to uh, be a good family man, I guess just really modelled um, what family life and marriage can be and, and that has inspired us and will continue to do so. He knew the importance of, of uh, and how special marriage was. He told us a lot our marriage, uh, marriage life. It was always encouraging us and supporting us. Yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here together today, probably without him. Um, no, we'll never forget. It's encouraging me in my uh, relationship with my husband Daniel. Put us a lot in our marriage. The amount of people I know that you and Joe invested in, in their relationship, and the fact they're still together is because you and Joe spend quality time with them. It's amazing. I always think of Dave and Joe as a couple. The very way that they loved each other, um, like no other couple that I know. Dave 100% loved and cherished and respected Joe. Joe and Dave are such a model uh, for marriage uh, for me, the way that they love to spend time together um, and the way that they've raised their family to love each other very deeply. He was a man who was with God and his faith was so important to him. What I appreciate about him is the fact that his faith is, is also not being divided like he's one person on Sunday and another person on Monday. His faith is part of his work and part of his play and everything. Dave lived the teachings of Jesus more than anybody else I know. Uh, what a legend, what a dad, what a father figure, what a, what a man to know and what a leader as well.
Dave Clark, not famous in this world, but leaving a legacy of changed lives because of the private choices he made again and again. Part of that legacy is now Jake, a son in the faith, a son literally growing up, serving and loving the Lord. We saw him getting baptized by his own dad there at Emmaus Road. When I watch things like that, when I meet people like Dave Clark, I am inspired by the things that really matter in life, to be a better man, a better dad to our boys, a better husband, a better son, a better friend, but also a better spiritual father to others. It's high time, I believe, that we as men got a bigger vision for our lives than a bigger pay packet at work or a better car. That, that, that we made a firm decision, I am not going to trade that kind of legacy that we see in Dave Clark for a few minutes of, of personal self-gratification. I want to be respected most deeply by the people who know me best, not the people who know me least. And honestly, if that takes 25 years and 15 days of effort, of difficult choices, of apologizing when I get it wrong, of choosing to be kind and gentle and generous, it's worth it. I'm just not going to trade 25 years and 15 uh, minutes uh, or 15 days of transformation for 25 minutes of sin. I want to be faithful. I'd love my life to help redefine what it means to be a man. I'd love to be a role model the way that Dave Clark was a role model, the way Gareth Southgate is a role model. I'd love to help break the kind of cycles of dysfunction that we've now got in our relationships generationally and between the genders so that you can walk down a towpath and a man and a woman can simply extend the courtesy of saying hello to one another. I'd love to maybe be a little bit better as a dad than even my own dad. The Apostle Paul gives some great practical advice to men. He says this, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Maybe if we did that, maybe if we lived like that, if we looked at women as sisters with absolute purity, they wouldn't have to avoid our gaze any longer on the train or the towpath or wherever. We've drifted a long way from John Wimber's exhortation to be a nation of fathers and teachers. We are here at a moment that as we resurface from lockdown, we're asking what kind of world do we want to build? We are here at a time where as a church we're sensing the Spirit calling us to discipleship and we cannot create a culture of discipleship without men playing their vital path. And so I want to do two things now. I'm going to do the first thing. I'm going to hand back to Josh and Emma for the response. But first of all, I want to just lead you men in a prayer of repentance aware that there's lots of women watching this and I'd love you just to receive this. I suspect you've got a story of men being absent or distant or abusive or hurtful 
and I, I, you know the Bible talks about us corporate repentance about sometimes you don't just apologize for your own life but for the lives of others and I believe there comes a time where as men we need to repent of what men have become in this nation at this time and we're going to do that you men you may like to kneel down if you can do that where you are uh, I, I'm going to kneel in just a second and, and I'm going to just um, read some words from Psalm 51 we're going to read verses 1 to 6 and then 10 to 12 so you may want to just quickly grab that Psalm 51 1 to 6 10 to 12 and to read that wherever you're watching this with me now we're going to use these words now these words were written by King David after he had sinned with Bathsheba and ha had fathered an illegitimate child and had had a man killed. So this is someone in deep shame. This is a man who has abused his power, his position, his masculinity and everything else. And he comes to this place of repentance. I'm really aware that many of us are struggling with a sense of failure as men. We feel we failed as husbands, or we failed because we're not married, or we feel like we failed as dads, or, or we feel deep shame in our lives. And this may be a moment of very personal repentance, but when we see Gareth Southgate fathering the way he fathered, when we see men like Dave Clark, we capture a vision for our lives that means something. So I want to challenge you men right now to get on your knees and let this be a moment of transformation in your life. And for those of you men saying, I don't feel like I need to personally repent, great, hallelujah. Let's repent for what men have been like. After that, uh, Jake, uh, after that, sorry, Josh is gonna come forward and he's just gonna lead us in prayer for those of us who really are struggling in areas of shame, feeling like failures, uh, uh, and, and, and feeling that we need a recommissioning to move from shame to strength, from sonship to fatherhood. So uh, if you'd like to do so, this is an appeal just for the men. I've never done this before. This is just for the men, not for the women. Uh, men, I'd like to invite you wherever you are, if it's possible. Obviously, if you're on a commuter train, you can't do this. But if you can, just let's get down on our knees right now and let's just repent. So this is Psalm 51. We're going to read 1 to 6 and then 10 to 12. And you may just want to read this quietly with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me 
the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Lord God, Father God, we are so sorry that in our region, in our streets, in our workplaces, in our nation, men have turned from you. We've turned away from you. We have treated women as objects. We have been violent. We have been uh, lustful. We have been absent. We have been delinquent. Lord God, we are so sorry that we have taken strength and used it not to serve, but to control. Lord, we are so sorry. God, there is a shame that's not an ungodly shame. There is a shame upon us, Lord for all the lives that have been damaged, all the, all, all the kids who don't know dads, the kids who've been abused, the women who don't feel safe around men. Lord, we are sorry and we know that you're calling us as a nation to be fathers and teachers and we pray, God, you would do something in us, you'd do something in this church where men would be like Gareth Southgate, like Dave Clark, And ultimately, like you, Lord Jesus, who poured yourself out for others. And so we say, come Holy Spirit and recommission us and renew us and give us a vision, not just to sort of get a good resume, but to be someone of integrity and strength and kindness and humour and gentleness in the home and with our friends and with those who know us best. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, we're just going to worship together now. And then after that, Josh is just going to specifically pray for those of us for whom today has hit some really raw nerves. Thanks so much, everybody. I know it's been an unusual Sunday, but I felt this was an important thing that the Holy Spirit was inviting us to do. Thanks.